What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome back to the show. It's your boys, the Fantasy Whisperers. Got Big Travi, Austin Sear, and your boy Game Time. We're going over part one of the Week 12 matchup breakdown. But did you know we are giving away a autographed Joe Mixon jersey in just a couple of days, all you have to do is go over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the fantasy whispers and sign up for the $10 Patreon and you could get entered into this month's drawing. All right, boys, let's get into that show, shall we? Right here. That's right. Like Johnny said, we're going to be talking the first half of the NFL slate of matchups, all the fantasy football implications, the start sit advice on each of those matchups. But if you like fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, especially on the daily, head on over to the YouTube channel and hit subscribe, turn those notifications on and make sure you are tuning in to all our videos over there. With that being said, welcome all the way in, Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at BigTraviTFW. I am joined by Johnny GameTime Hicks, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore GameTime. And rocking that sick cream beanie is my man Austin, who you'd have to tune into the video to see this. But you can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Gentlemen, Thanksgiving is upon us. We're going to talk about three mm. Thanksgiving Day games. Yes. So not only do we get the great food, hopefully we get some great football. So I wanted to ask you guys, this is a big day, especially for fantasy. we got a lot of players involved, and we'll talk about them. But I want to look back at our fondest Thanksgiving Day fantasy football memory. Austin, I'll start with you. Do you have a fondest memory of a player that played for you and excelled, got you through the hump, helped the playoff push? Anything coming to mind here or just a player you enjoyed watching multiple uh, Thursdays? You know what? I'm taking a little bit of a side answer on this one, but because it is Thanksgiving and I am a Green Bay Packers fan, it's just always nice to watch the Lions lose. Yeah, and it just happens all the time. So um, my Packers oftentimes get to play against them. It's not a an actual tradition. It just lines up oftentimes like that. And I've usually got a couple of Packers players. So anytime I get to see a Packers player of mine on my own roster go off while simultaneously beating the Lions, uh, it, it I'd be lying if I said it didn't bring a bit of joy to my heart, Travi. Yeah, this week uh, it'll be the Lions versus the Bears with Matt Nagy on maybe the huge hot seat. We'll get into that a little bit, but yeah. this is kind of a win-win. Like Lions win, Nagy's out, kind of the Bears still suck. Bears win, Lions lose. We like that too. Uh, kind of a win-win. Johnny, what about you? When you think about Thanksgiving, Turkey Day, and some of these, you know, obviously the Lions, the Cowboys over the years have played every uh, every year on Thanksgiving. Who's your top Thanksgiving Day player for you? Uh, my top Thanksgiving Day player would probably be Reggie Bush. Uh, a few years ago, when he did play for the Detroit Lions, he had a, a pretty pretty boss day, uh, and that was the year he was a uh, top running back until he slipped in the snow, uh, and we all know the rest of that story. Uh, but that we played is, each other that game. Yeah, we oh. did. Yeah, oh, we did. We did. Good memory, good memory. But yeah, that would be my my fear. I I was a big fan of. I don't know. I'm just saying. I guess I'm just a sucker for the De Detroit Lions running backs. I guess that's what we could just say, boys. I am uh, <clears throat> a big fan of big wide receiver play on Thanksgiving. Uh, I remember Megatron for so many years being on Thanksgiving was a lot of fun to watch. I loved watching Des Bryant when he was with Dallas. Uh, Amari Cooper had a big Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly, last year. So I just like the big wide receiver play. We'll see who that is. Stephon Diggs plays Sunday night. Uh, we've got some trouble for the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers. Um, we'll see what happens. Darnell Mooney really breaking out. Who's going to be the big wide receiver this week? That's what I want to find out. Uh, but, guys, I'm so grateful to be on this show with you. I'm also grateful for the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. I want to let Whisper Nation know about Manscaped because when it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to look any further than Manscaped.com. Our friends over there are here to upgrade your grooming experience. You can join the 2 million men worldwide by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TFWMAN. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at Manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at Manscaped. All right, boys, let's get into the first game on, on not Sunday, Thursday, on Thanksgiving. Detroit Lions, as we said, will be hosting the Chicago Bears. It's a 42-point over-under, and we've got the Chicago Bears favored by about three and a half. This line has gradually gone down all week. Um, we've got Jared Goff kind of in and out. We'll get into the Detroit side of uh, the situation here. 
But Austin, I wanted to ask you, we'll start at the top because Justin Fields looks like he's going to be out of this game. Does that launch Andy Dalton into a streamable category for you this week? Got you muted, Austin. Oh, oh, thank you for that. Technically, yes, he's in a streamable category, of course, because he's going to be a quarterback playing and you're going to need to be streaming somebody. So why not Andy Dalton? And, you know, in relief of Justin Fields' ribs, Dalton came in against Baltimore on Sunday and he had a solid line, relatively speaking, over 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, but it was on just 23 pass attempts. So really efficient work there. And it's going to be tough to bank on that moving forward. But prior to this game, keep in mind that Baltimore was a top three option for fantasy quarterbacks. And without Lamar last week, this team was a relative mess. So I'm not going to seriously chase those points last week. This is going up against Detroit, which mentally it sounds really nice, but Detroit has led up the 13th fewest points to fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, 19 other teams there have led up more points to the fantasy quarterbacking position. And while that is true, it's also true that the Lions have led up the third most points to opposing offenses as well. So I think that the real take on this one here is that Detroit is so bad, it's hard to predict what you're going to get. Versing Detroit means people who usually don't score are going to have a chance to score. It's kind of like when you played that rollover team for your homecoming matchup in high school. It's like, let's let everyone get some action on this one. Oh, that third string running back doesn't get a lot of chances to score. Let's put him in and get a touchdown in front of his grandparents. (laughs) So like, I see when you play Detroit, that's kind of what you end up getting. So like people are going to score, but not, it might not be the, the tip of the spear for the offense. And, and, Right, wrong, or indifferent. Andy Dalton is kind of at that tip of the spear for the Bears this week, Travis. So I'm, I'm like streamable, but not. If you're like looking to stream Andy Dalton this week, you're a special kind of crazy playing <laughs> fantasy football, right? Like, I what on earth? You listen to like, country music. Yeah, well, something. Because there's yeah, a special. They have a song like even, that. Even country. Country music listeners are even getting a little more credit than the guy streaming Andy Dalton. <laughs> I just think it's just you're asking for trouble at this point. So as Austin eloquently put there, Andy Dalton looking like a trap here. Does that mean his pass catchers are a trap, Johnny? Because Darnell Mooney is absolutely on fire right now and breaking out. He's been money. Can we expect to count on more of that? Yeah, Darnell Mooney looking pretty solid. Uh, had a, his second game last week, boys, over 100 yards receiving had a whopping 16 targets, 16 targets, season high for him, career high. Obviously, not very many wide receivers get 16 targets on a game basis, but Darnell did, and I do think, similar to how Andy Dalton is a trap, I do believe that Darnell is a trap. I would not chase the points on this one, even though it does look like it it is a good matchup on paper against Detroit. But actually, Detroit on on defense, at least their cornerbacks have been pretty solid. Second fewest receptions allowed to the wide receiver this season, as well as since week eight. They have only given up the fourth fewest uh, fantasy points to the wide receiver position. So I am going to stay away. I'm going to just enjoy this game on the couch with a little turkey boys uh, and, and watch these watch this game. But I'm not I'm not starting to start down Darnell or chase the points with Marquise. Good one, even though he had a, a, a good week last week as well. And then Allen Robinson not looking like he's going to play, guys. Yeah, Allen Robinson, that's probably better for those that own him because then you don't have to <laughs> worry about trying to chase yeah. them. Just don't. All year, you know, you get to just get rid of it. Yeah. I think if we're looking at this after what Austin and Johnny have said here, the probably the guy we have the most confidence in starting this week is – David Montgomery, 15 touches in back-to-back games since returning for injury, double-digit carries in every game that he's played this year, and he's got four point uh, four yards per carry in four of six games, and he's averaging four yards per carry on the year. Dalton back in at QB, Nagy's seat the hottest it's ever been, and facing a Lions defense, giving up the fourth-most fourth rushing yards per game. Monty looks to regain form in this matchup. I think it's a really good spot for him. Travi, speaking of Matt Nagy being on the hot seat, did you catch the crowd reaction out of the Chicago Bulls arena? Not just the Bulls. Now they're chanting it at his son's football game, dude. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, so yeah, they're chanting it at the Bulls game. They're also chanting it at his son's football game, which is kind of like, guys, come on. Like we could do better than that. It's a little that. far. It's a little far. Chicago is sick of Nagy. I guess we'll just say that at this. So They're so like, far. We- so check this out. As a society, we should feel so good because we have caused one quarterback to 
to say he would miss the birth of his child. And then we've seen another, you know, coach get, you know, and his son get berated. Uh, yeah, basically, a, a these coaches and quality. players aren't even going to be involved in their kid's life because yeah. basically all the fans are ruining for them. Yeah, apparently. unbelievable. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the Detroit Lions, or I should call them the Detroit DeAndre Swifts at this point, they are basically running like through that man. Uh, at the running back position. Um, before we get into Swift, who we know is, you know, an auto start, but we wanted to point out some of his, uh, you know, some of the good things looking good for him down the stretch. Hawk had a bounce back week, and he's been the most polarized or one of the most polarizing tight ends we have in the game right now, always shining a light on the volatility of the position. Right. Austin, I'd, I ask you, would you rather keep Hawk the rest of your year, or are you looking to trade out of Hawk because you just can't, you're, you're pulling your hair out? Well, this is the thing I think that's interesting about TJ Hawkinson is his playoff schedule. And I'll get into that in just a second. But to paint the context there for Hawkinson, we talk about his volatility. And that's he's almost like a I've, I've compared a Hawkinson over the last couple months to a lot of different tight ends. It was a broke ass Travis Kelsey last week, feeling <laughs> a little bit more like a Mark Andrews this week, you know, a poor man's Mark Andrews with that volatility on that side. And, and but he is he's in that is in that tier. You know, he's not a tier one, maybe not even a tier two based on the offense, but he's got so many of these boxes is that he checks regularly. He's physically superior for the position. He's got no real competition behind him. Uh, it's, it, it should be an automatic uh, set of points for Hawkinson like every single week, but he's just been inconsistent. Like he's the number five tight end in PPR and he's the number 10 tight end in standard. And that kind of points there a little bit about, about how well Detroit is able to actually move the ball. Hawkinson's averaging about 50 yards per game coming from seven targets per game. That's, that's not bad. And he's had some really, really bad down games, you know, where it's like zero catches. So that's going to drag those averages down a lot. Um, he's number three in targets in the in for tight ends overall, number six in yards overall. And that's pretty rare to have an ability uh, with an actual ceiling at the tight end position. Like he's not a Dan Arnold. He's not a CJ Uzuma. Like he's actually really physically skilled. He's, he's a really good football player and pass catcher. The concern, though, when you ask me the question, Travis, do you want to keep him or do you want to trade him? I would, I would honestly try to trade him right now if you can get somebody who's excited about TJ Hawkinson, and that's because of his playoff schedule. Uh, you've got Seattle in the championship, Atlanta before that, and Arizona is your first playoff matchup there in week 15. Seattle is your best matchup, but they aren't cake against tight ends with 10 teams allowing more points to the position. Atlanta is tougher against tight ends, and the Cardinals are the best defense in the NFL against tight ends, allowing just 5.7 points per game. Um, so I'm trying to get rid of that if you can get some value if you're set up for the playoffs like Hawkinson seems like a nice playoff piece but he, he kind of low-key isn't actually I would try to move on and bolster up your squad in another area he's been a slight disappointment but you're still endeared by TJ Hawkinson but that charm is going to fade if he sinks your playoffs and there's no strong logic and there's and there is strong logic pointing that's a real possibility so that's a great take there to look at the playoff yeah. schedule, especially for our contenders. If you're ready to kind of fortify that playoff schedule, look to move Hawk off for another piece if you can here. <clears throat> Johnny, quickly, we look at Swift and we we love what we see. And now he's starting to get that real bell cow volume uh, that we were afraid he couldn't get with Jamal Williams in the lineup. Plus the schedule looking really nice as well for Swift. Yeah, boys, Swift and into six gears, we like to say on the show. You well, like at least I like to say yeah. on like the show. Check this out. You <laughs> never you're you're definitely starting him in this matchup uh, against the Bears. It's going to be a good matchup for him. He should be just fine. He is the RB five right now in PPR, RB nine in standard. He's got six touchdowns on the seasons, back to back games with over a hundred rushing yards. He has been just oh my gosh that breakthrough run. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, it was it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, I saw here's it. what I want to ask. Just so I had to see it. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Here's what I got, I want to ask. Rest of season, I just said RB five PPR, RB nine and standard. Rest of season, where do you think Swift finishes? Like right where he's at? Do you think he slips a little bit, or do you think he finishes higher? This is his schedule. So he gets Chicago this week. Then he gets Minnesota. That's a good one. Uh, at Denver, they've been allowing yards. Arizona. They can be ran on air Atlanta at Seattle, then green. Yeah, like Bay none none of those teams based on volume and what he's got going on. Scare me. I think he probably finishes right about where he's at, especially in PPR. I think the volume that they use, the lack of weapons around him uh, outside of Hawkinson really makes, you know, whoever, you know, who fills the volatility the most is Hawkinson, but he still floats in PPR as well. I mean, 
Swift sees everything for this team, usage in the passing game, usage in the running game. He is their offense. He is the Detroit Lions complete uh, and, package. And the, the last thing I throw in there about Swift is that because he plays for the Lions, who are oftentimes finding themselves in garbage time, like that means that strong defense that they played the first three quarters against is now on the bench. And there's those second, third stringers are now in, which means he's going to be going up against uh, not uh, a shutdown defense anymore. He's going to get a lot of garbage time. So I'm like, I'm not concerned about playing Swift in any single matchup ever because i think if you get if they get blown out like they're still going to keep him in for a little while so mm-hmm. this is an interesting point I, I know we didn't want to spend a ton of time on this but johnny brought it up like you know would you rather have kamara would you rather have some of these top guys that are struggling or injured right now than swift and i'm not trying to like you know let johnny bang his chest a bunch on switch swift here but i do think there's an interesting question like if you are struggling and you house one of these injured guys like saquon working back from injury uh, Alvin Kamara, we don't know when he's coming back. Uh, Patterson, high ankle, well, that's a little bit different. But you know what I'm saying? Like some of these guys, we can go and acquire a Swift because the name value isn't as great because he plays for the Lions. Are right. you doing that because his availability is there and the, and the schedule looks great? Like Kamara, I think, is the is the one I would ask. Like if we're sitting in the middle of the pack in my league, am I going to ditch Kamara for the next four weeks with, you know, or next three weeks of Swift to try and make it in the playoffs? I'd rather have Swift. Yeah, I think I would too. I would rather have Swift. Just Best ability is uh, is availability, yeah. man. That's what. Yeah, and I mean, and realistically, I hate to say this, but like, what's the difference between the Saints' offense and the Ram or in the uh, the Lions' offense? Like, at least you know, defense game flow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no difference in offense. No difference. Yeah, not not really. Yeah, the team yeah. dynamic might be a little bit better, but yeah, I agree with right, that. right. All right, we'll move on to our second day, and maybe the more powerful or potent game on the slate that we're looking at for fantasy football purposes. The Dallas Cowboys look to rebound after their loss to the Chiefs last week against the Las Vegas Raiders. It's a 50 and a half over under with Dallas favored by seven at home. Uh, I got to start with our tight end savant here again, Austin, and ask you about Mm. Waller. He had a productive week last week. He seems to be kind of sneakily warming up as far as usage is concerned. How do we feel about him this week after a productive week 11? Yeah, we've we've liked to say that he's been a bit up and down this season, but he's really more of like, unfortunately, chill than explosive. And I say this way because even in his worst games, there are still real positives to take from the performances. Two weeks ago against Kansas City was Darren Waller's worst game of the year with just 24 yards receiving. But he had seven targets and 10 targets was the most by any tight end that week overall. He averages almost nine targets per game and five targets in week five where he had his fewest on the year. Uh, with Ruggs out, with Gruden out, Waller is one of the few consistent and familiar pieces for Carr in the Raiders organization. I can't even say in Las Vegas because that city, too, is basically brand new to Derek Carr. I like Waller this week against Dallas, who has led up the eighth most points of tight ends in what is right now Vegas calling a 50 and a half point over under with Las Vegas expected to be down and chasing points through the air. Yeah, Johnny, I, I was wondering, you know, we we know we can trust Waller. Can we trust Josh Jacobs? He's seen decent usage, hasn't really hit a ceiling, kind of been a floor play RB. Are we liking him here at all? I think he's still a floor play this week. I do like his schedule after this moving forward, but this week a little bit difficult. Dallas actually uh, bottom eight and points allowed to the running back position so far this season. One thing is, is his usage should float him. So if you, desperately need him let's say you have a bunch of players on the cardinals and maybe the kansas city that you don't have you know a, a lot of confidence i do think he he's a decent floor uh he's seen 16 targets he's getting a lot more usage in the passing game what we've been asking for pretty much his whole career so 16 targets in the three games since the bye week so he's getting both that and with the rushing uh opportunities he should have enough where you know, and Dallas, though, not giving up. So don't expect a touchdown or, or mega ball stay. But I do think uh, if you need a need him, then you could use him. The question in our show notes that was assigned to me was, are we interested in anything else? The short answer is no. The long answer is just a quick note on flexing Renfro here. I think in PPR formats, again, we talk about Renfro a lot. Like, it's gross. It's vanilla ice cream. I mean, I wouldn't call it vanilla ice cream. I like vanilla ice cream. But I think it's, you know, if you're looking at vanilla ice cream next to vanilla ice cream with, like, hot fudge on it, you're definitely taking the one with hot fudge. But I think in PPR formats, Renfro becomes a sneaky play this week yet again. Renfro looks to run 65% of his routes against Jordan Lewis, who by most occasions, 
counts as Dallas's worst cornerback. Last week was only Renfro's second game under double-digit PPR points this year. So I do think he's going to regain a little bit of composure this week. But again, not really much of a ceiling play. The ceiling play is what we tend to expect out of our Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, they're a little bit banged up coming off that, you know, two-point game out of Dak Prescott. And now we have C.D. Lamb concussed. Uh, he's got an outside shot to play. If he does, what do we feel about these passing options? Who do we like? What if he doesn't? So if we look at C.D., Stephen Jones was quoted today as we recorded this, that saying he has a chance to play. I would imagine he doesn't play. It's a quick turnaround here for Thursday night. Um, that would be my guess on it. Ten targets for Michael Gallup last week, and he was looking like the number one target and the familiar face for Dak. I think that probably rolls into this week uh, up against the Raiders now has 40 or more yards and back-to-back games back from injury and likely will lead the team in targets again this week. Cedric Wilson was an outside play, but as I studied this a little bit more, I'm not really confident in Wilson, even in this game because the Raiders secondary remains a tough unit here, allowing the fifth fewest points to wide receivers on the season. Um, I'm guessing CD doesn't play and Gallup would be the only trustworthy option for me this week at wide receiver unless, of course, CD somehow miraculously gets in there. Um, I wanted to quickly note about Dalton Schultz. Six of eight last week for 53 yards. We were talking about Dalton Schultz probably being the logical odd man out. Well, guess what? Injuries and availability have vaulted him back into your lineup. He remains in your lineup. Uh, was one of the top two options for the team. I could see a big day because the Raiders, because they're stingy on the outside, funnel points to the tight end in the middle, and uh, they're giving up 10.5 points per game there, so we like that. Austin, the meat and potatoes on this Thanksgiving day of this offense had for years been Zeke. Uh, it's gone through its phases with there. Zeke is going through his phases with an injury. Are we concerned about Zeke here and in mo- and moving forward? You know, I could pontificate on this situation for literal hours, Big Travi, but you as a fantasy manager are stuck with a couple of binary questions and decisions. You have Zeke. Cool. Good for you. Yeah. Do you start him Thursday or do you bench him? That's mm-hmm. the ultimate question, right? And as always, you start your best lineup. If you have someone better than Zeke, hey, good for you. Nice. Yeah, right? uh, but, yeah. sh- but that's unlikely. <laughs> so you're going to be looking at starting Zeke or not. Um, you're going to play him, is my recommendation, with the expectation of him doing 70% of what you would normally expect. So if you think he's normally get 100 yards and a touchdown, I would expect to get 70 yards and now a coin toss of being the guy on the goal line right now. Um So operate accordingly. Pollard has been really, really good. Not good enough to take the job, but good enough to curve Zeke's usage while he is recovering from this bone bruise. And I go a little conservative on those estimations, you know, 70% in a coin toss at the goal line, because if he does more than that, aren't you happy? Right? I love so it. It's the philosophical breakdown of fantasy yeah. football. We don't say temper expectations just because it's a buzzword. We say temper expectations because if you temper your expectations and then they're outproduced, you feel good, as Austin said. We yeah. feel great about what our players do. I think that's the case here. I'm sitting here looking at this Thursday where I have Zeke, a lot of a lot of Zeke shares across the board, and I say, I really need to get in the playoffs here. I really need Zeke to eat on Thanksgiving Day. I don't need to be the only one over the plate here eating. We'll see what Zeke does. What are our expectations, though, of Dak Prescott? Can we expect a bounce-back performance here, Johnny? Yeah, not a good week last week, but just like Thanksgiving will fill us up, I think Dak will fill us up with fantasy points this weekend because his matchup super juicy against Las Vegas. Check us out. Over the last five weeks, boys, Las Vegas, top seven fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks or top top seven matchup and then you look at Dak just history just just reaching in the tool bag for for history here the last two years that Dak played and remember he didn't play last year during Thanksgiving because he was dealing with the ankle injury but the two prior years when he played 37 and a half fantasy points and 31.6 31.36 excuse me fantasy points in those two games so he brings he brings it on 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 turkey day and so i am fine throwing him in your lineup i think he will be just back to the normal deck yeah wow. we've got dallas with the highest implied team total uh per vegas this week of any team and that's probably mostly because we've got the chiefs on by but that's what we're dealing with a lot of points should be scored in that game moving on the new orleans saints are hosting the buffalo bills in the thanksgiving night uh nightcap it's a 46 and a half point over under we've got buffalo favored by four on the road here austin are we confident in a better game for josh allen it was kind of like his 
one of his few down games this year and in the last couple of years. But do we think there's more to come here? New Orleans has been tough against QBs in the past. What are you thinking here? They in the past, yeah, but this season right now, as we talked a little bit earlier, the Saints are not what the Saints have been, and currently they're giving up the seventh most points to fantasy quarterbacks. Josh Allen overall is the number three quarterback and had a meh game last week, as you described, with 20 fantasy points and six-point passing leagues. But overall, man, there's no cause for concern moving forward or this week. I'm excited for this matchup. Uh, same defense that led up 30 fantasy points to Jalen Hurts last week, which I know is a bit different of a play style but still the defense was preparing for him and he let up, he got 30 points and then over 20 points to Ryan Tannehill two weeks ago. And this is uh, Ryan Tannehill who did not have Julio Jones and completed only one pass to AJ Brown. Allen will have every chance for a strong week going up against new Orleans in that new Orleans dome. Big Trevi. I love it. You're giving me confidence in Allen here, especially after, like you said, watching Hertz last week against New Orleans, who was supposed to be a tough matchup. Hertz put him on skates the whole time. And Allen, not not quite the runner Hertz is, but not a slouch in the running department himself. So we like that there. Uh, I have to talk about something we're not confident in all, and that's this convoluted backfield of the Buffalo Bills. Look, when we break it down, we have a third running back. That's right. We had Zach Moss. We had Devin Singletary. And now over the last two weeks, Matt Breda's entered the chat. Uh, So we look at Zach Moss. He's not seen more than eight carries since week five. Hasn't rushed for more than 50 yards since week four. Three straight weeks for Zach Moss with fewer than 48% of the team snaps. Gross. Devin Singletary, only one game over 40% snap share in his last four games. One touchdown in his last eight games and only seen double-digit PPR points in three of ten games played this year. Then we look at Breda, right? Over the last couple weeks, I know it's a small sample size, but there's a little bit of juice here lately with Breda. Six touches in ten week or in week ten, then seven in week eleven, doubled his snap share from the previous game, and now has over nine yards per carry in back-to-back games. Again, small sample size. Look, the bottom line is is that this team is bottom half in rushing attempts and rushing yards, and I'm not sure they plan or care to change it right now. But if we assume rational coaching, maybe they commit to the run as the weather changes and they want to take pressure off the defense. We saw Indy really put it to him last week. I can understand stashing all three of these guys for different reasons to see if something reveals itself prior to the playoffs, but none can be trusted until further notice. That's just my personal take on the Buffalo Bills backfield, but I think we're kind of in agreement on that there. Johnny, I wanted to ask you about Dawson Knox here. If he's established himself as the number two role in the offense again in the passing attack, we know what Diggs has done. Diggs climbing back into that top wide receiver conversation or a top 10 wide receiver conversation. But what about Knox here in a tough spot? Yeah, so I got uh, I got a bold call here, boys. Another bold call. Uh, listen, I understand Knox last week. Career or, or season high in targets. 10. You saw 10. 10 targets last week. That was a, a juicy one for him. He, he Coming back off that injury, you look to get him back in your lineup. However, this is where I have the problem. Last week, he was uh, up against Indianapolis. Indianapolis was a, or is a top-five matchup for tight ends. This week, he goes up against New Orleans. Different story. I understand New Orleans uh, giving up a lot of fantasy points Excuse me, to the fantasy quarterbacks, but not so much to fantasy tight ends. They are bottom seven matchup for tight ends in the last five weeks. They are bottom seven in yards allowed to the tight end this season, and they've only surrendered one receiving touchdown to the tight end position all season. And then you look at Knox, and we've talked about it. Is Knox a touchdown uh, dependent tight end? And if you look at the four games in which Knox has not scored a touchdown, these are his receiving yards, 41, 25, 17, and then he had the 80 last week. So I am not looking to start him in this game. I think it will be uh, not a good, uh, you know, nightcap for you if you play Dawson Knox this week. Austin, when we started to put the show notes together, obviously we're on a condensed week because of Thanksgiving. We thought it looked like it was going to be an Ingram game here again. Uh, That could still be the case, but he's missed back-to-back practices now. So the Saints could be without Alvin Kamara, could be without uh, Mark Ingram. But I wanted to talk a little about about Ingram if he goes and if we can feel comfortable trusting him in our lineup here, Austin. If he does go, I am somebody who um, – 
believes new things when new information comes through. And I was just wrong on Mark Ingram. I expected the volume, but not this much volume. And I am very impressed with Ingram's efficiency in the last couple of weeks. Last two, Ingram's averaged 15 carries for over 65 yards per game on the ground, added another five catches on seven and a half targets for an additional 43 yards through the air. And Travi, we're looking at 100 yard back the last two weeks with touchdown upside. I don't think Peyton goes another direction until Kamara returns. This week, Ingram gets Buffalo, if he does, you know, play, obviously, gets Buffalo. But that rush defense just got obliterated by Jonathan Taylor, which totally is not a which not is not a total fair item to mention. But two weeks ago, Michael Carter put up over 16 fantasy points there on the Buffalo Bills as well. So I have to temper expectations for Ingram in this tough matchup, but I'm still excited to start him, actually. Yeah, if he goes, we're we're definitely we love the waiver wire pick of Mark Ingram and the RB two situation that he's kind of slotted himself into. If he doesn't go, Tony Jones would be the next man up. But against Buffalo, on I, I don't know if I'd be confident to start Tony Jones. I don't know if you guys have any. You won't. Yeah, I I will not. My my reason why is we just we haven't seen a world where it's Tony Jones, Tony Jones and the gang, right? Like we yeah, haven't yeah, seen that world yet. Right. Yeah. And we don't know there's and then like another guy could come in, you know, when we talked about Chris Carson going down and we said, oh, it's going to, you know, now be the Alex Collins. Alex Collins was yeah. like, keep an eye out for Homer. Keep an eye out for DJ Dallas. Penny. Yeah. All Shot these guys. Penny. You just you could they're going to be emptying, emptying out the barrel of maybe AP gets signed this week because he just yeah. got released. Maybe they hey. sign him real quick to play. He's played. Game. He's played there before. Yeah, I don't know. I think Sean Payton and him have beef, so I, I doubt yeah. that happens. But anyways, uh, yeah, Tony Jones, no. Mark Ingram, if he goes, you got to trust it. We'll we'll know a lot more obviously by the time you listen to this. So monitor those practice reports. Johnny, the last bit of note here on the Saints is that Traquan Smith is a is emerging a little bit. How are we feeling about Smith in this matchup? It really is a tough one, but he's put some stuff together. Yeah, Tony or Traquan Smith, look, it's not a great matchup on paper. However, when you're looking at what Traquan Smith has been doing over the last couple of weeks, you could do a whole lot worse uh, for him as a wide receiver three uh, flex play for you. Since the bye, he has seen four straight weeks of increased snaps, including a, a season high this, this past week with 95%. He's seen 20 and 22% market share or target share over the last two games. And uh, I do think when you're looking at this Buffalo Bills matchup, if you're thirsty Thursday and and you were wanting to get a player in there that has some upside, I do think Traquan does because despite the matchup, the last couple of weeks, the Bills have been a little bit different. Uh, they've actually allowed four more fantasy points than usual to uh, or their uh, four more fantasy points than their season average. Uh, and so when you're looking at this matchup, Corey Davis last week put up five for seven for 93 yards against this very defense. So I do think you could do a lot worse than Traquan Smith this week. As we move on to the next matchup, uh, we it's our it's the first time we're going to talk about Sunday games after that slate of Thanksgiving days. We'll move into Sunday, and the morning game is the Indianapolis Colts hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Excited for this one, and so is the desert. It's a 51.5 point over under, and we've got Tampa Bay favored by only 2.5 going into Indianapolis to play this game. We'll start with the visiting team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I want to speak quickly because I got a few questions on on social media about Ronald Jones and his usage. Uh, and if that's a concern for Leonard Fournette here, right? So even though we saw Rojo in the game, he got eight touches. And he also scored a touchdown here, vultured a touchdown. Rojo still still out-touched him 16 to eight. So more than double what he got there. This was also Jones' second highest total on the year. So I don't know if there's a lot to see here. I think he might've been spelling uh, Leonard Fournette a bit. And I, I think I'm really confident in Fournette's usage in the past game. That's what we've seen the most of. So that would be why I still think Fournette is probably the lead back, but this is an absolutely tough spot for either back and specifically Leonard Fournette against Indy. They're now the number one ranked defense against fantasy football running backs. But if you can't afford to bench him, like if you can afford to, as Austin said, if you have somebody better than Leonard Fournette, congratulations, you've made it through. You're winning fantasy football most likely. If you don't, you should. If you have somebody better, you should probably get them in there. If you don't, I understand. Uh, second of all, you could see a really tough sledding this week. I want to talk about the health of these Bucks pass catchers, Johnny, and if they're in, are we starting all of them? Absolutely is the quick answer. Uh, you're looking at the wider, or I'll just touch on first Gronk uh, as one of the pass catchers. This is going to be an absolute smash spot for Gronk. If you have Gronk, you're getting him in your lineup. He is going to have a mega boss day. 
Look, last week came back 59% of snaps in this first game back, saw 17% of the target share there in that game. Last four weeks, the Colts have been giving up the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends. They just gave up the season high in receiving uh, or in receptions and yardage to Dawson Knox. So you can expect a nice, juicy Sunday for your leftovers on Thanksgiving or your Thanksgiving leftovers on Sunday with Gronk. Then Mike Evans, you need to watch him. A possible hamstring strain. It's not really clear. He did come up limp, but then went back out in the game. So monitor him. We do know he is a warrior and he does not miss time typically, but do monitor that. Uh, if he's playing, you're playing him. Colts top five wide receiver, uh, top five matchup against wide receivers the last four weeks. And then you're talking about, you know, Godwin is an auto start as well. Talk about AB. So it was reported last week that AB was really close to returning. And then Adam Schefter tweeted out uh, that Brown it has a really good chance to play in week 12. And then you look at the Colts. Colts have allowed the 13 or the uh, league high 17 touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. So if the question is, Hey, if if AB is playing, do I start all three of these guys? And you're telling me Gronk is going to go off. I'm telling you, yeah, you get them all in there because there's going to be plenty of opportunities for all these guys to score. Yeah, and then like we were trying to point out, like the running backs are going to be the tough sledding against Indy. They let a yeah. lot up in the back end. They're very tight against the run on the other side. Mm-hmm. On the Indianapolis Colts side of the ball, we have Wentz. Um, I'm being asked if he's a potential option or a top streaming option uh, in this potential shootout. We look at Wentz, it's not been pretty over the last two weeks, back-to-back games with nine or fewer points, sub 200 yards passing. That touchdown pendulum has really swung in hard in Jonathan Taylor's favor, as we saw last week, but there is hope through the air with Wentz. Tampa Bay has improved against quarterbacks, but they still allow 17 points per game on average to the position, and the game has plenty of points to be scored. We talked about the over-under, and the Colts could be smart to attack Tampa Bay through the air because we know we talked about Vita Vea. We've talked about this front for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Vita Vea is set to be back for the Buccaneers this week, and uh, I think that they could try to work play action and work through the air with Pittman. So I guess, Johnny, that leads me to do we like Pittman even after a tough outing last week? Is this a game that's more suited towards getting him in your lineup? Yeah, Tampa Bay has been a little bit better over the last few weeks against the wide receiver, not letting up as many fancy points as the beginning. But I still think it's a trust spot for Michael Pittman here, despite last week's kind of buster day. It's it's hard not to want to get him in, in this matchup because you expect uh, and Colts to be down. A passing and then when you look at even last game despite the down game he did still see 25 percent of the team's target share so again it's not his fault that uh you know his running back is getting all the touchdowns there so one of these games he, he you like his target market share and what he's getting in the red zone so i feel okay five red area targets in the last four games for michael Pittman. so i'm playing him uh ty hilton on the other span sam's if I could speak today, T.Y. Hilton, on the other hand, I would not play or go near. I don't even think it's worth the flex here. 10, tar- a 10% target share in two out of the last three games. He hasn't seen more than 15% of a target market share uh, in that span. So I'm staying away from T.Y. Hilton, unfortunately. Well, Whisper Nation should not stay away from Underdog Fantasy. I want to let them know about Underdog Fantasy because it is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over and under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and so much more. And we're going to be helping you with all this information, build the best bet slips each and every week. When you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app now, you're going to get a 100% deposit match for up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for up to $100 in matched money for your first deposit. That's TFW for 100 smackaroonies. All right, we're moving on to the Houston Texans hosting the New York football Jets. It's a 44-and-a-half over-under with Houston. That's right, I said it. Houston favored by three points Houston off that massive win against the Titans uh, we'll start actually with the Houston side of the ball and Austin I'll ask you if we think Brandon Cooks can recover this week because he had a down week in the game that they won uh, pretty wild there I think so last week's line stings to look at sure 18 yards on two catches but his four targets were just one behind the leader Chris Conley who 
only has 233 yards on the entire year. So it's not a real threat coming in for Cooks' number one spot at the wide receiver position for the Texans. Cooks also uh, dominated snap share last week with 83%. No other wideout broke 50%. So you like that. It's not like he was dismissed or anything. He just really couldn't make the opportunities happen. And we don't have a lot of examples there of Brandon Cooks not coming through with the opportunities given. So I think he gets right, and I think the targets, the target share continues, and he, and he continues to do what he normally does with those moving forward. I'm not concerned. Yeah, this week on the waivers, uh, talk about concerning. Like this week on the waivers, we had to write about Rex Burkhead and David Johnson. That's how things are shaking up and being a little bit weird here for Houston. They get one win, and now we're invested, I guess. Now, we joked at the beginning of the year that, Austin, that there were 30 running backs, uh, all over 30, probably going to get under 30 yards a game. We've now dwindled down a little bit. We don't have 30 running backs. Maybe we have 28. Uh, No, but we have everything else is true about that, though. Yes, right. Exactly. Rex Burkhead and David Johnson are now the lone two survivors in this backfield, and both are god awful efficiency wise. Rex Burkhead, though, 18 touches last week, 40 scoreless yards, two yards per carry. David Johnson, 16 touches, but even less effective than Burkhead on 34 scoreless yards. The matchup is godly. The talent on the team is god awful. So I don't want any part of projecting which back to start, regardless of Lindsey being cut in time for the best fantasy football matchup of the year. I really, there's nothing you can do to pay me to start either of these guys. I just think there's as good as the matchup is. We're not going to do it. Johnny, how do we feel about Terod Taylor here this week? He's picked up steam, got two rushing touchdowns last week. Do we like him as a streamer this week? I think he's, uh, yeah, I I think if you need a quarterback this week, I think you do much worse. The, quarterback dict or the quarterback matchup dictates you can start him Tyrod Taylor is when he plays or if you've looked at the few games that he has finished all the way there's not many but 18 or more fantasy points in three out of the four games that he's played this season Jets are a top four matchup in the last five weeks for quarterbacks so I'm, I'm getting him in my lineup if I need a streamable quarterback option and uh, like Carson Wentz is not available or some of those better one, Cam Newton. Definitely a two quarterback league. Interesting play as yes. Taylor, especially with that rushing floor. We like that on the yes. jet side of the ball quickly. Uh, we have to ask again with a muddled backfield, who's going to fill in for Michael Carter, who was having this mini breakout and can we start them in again, another solid matchup. I wish I could tell you the smart thing to do is to stash one off the waiver wire. If you're hearing this before. And if after, if he's still there, Ty Johnson seems to have the most upside given his role in the passing game, but it looks like Wilson will be back as the quarterback and he didn't throw to our running backs a lot at all. So that's not good. Uh, Coleman has familiarity with the staff and opened the year as the, starter uh but it is really unfortunate given the nice matchup against houston we have to be smart and for our playoff push here and, and avoid this one at all costs this week johnny elijah moore is absolutely on fire and, and we're liking what we're seeing does zach wilson coming in does that kind of hamper your expectations here uh i i think it's going to be okay i i i get what you're saying maybe if you're in a position where uh, you can't necessarily risk a loss, then I can understand not wanting to necessarily get Elijah or you don't want to gamble on that. But I will say it is a prime juicy matchup, so he should be fine this week. Houston allowing the second most fantasy points over the last five weeks to opposing wide receivers. Then you look at what Elijah Moore is doing over the last few weeks, he's been more than just breaking out. He saw 32% of the target share in week 11. Again, that was with Joe Flacco, a different quarterback, but still that means that they're scheming him more. Uh, and and we already know how explosive he is, so he can get open. He's got four touchdowns in the last three games. Some of those with different quarterbacks, 78% or more snap share in two out of the last three games. So they're also getting him on the field a little bit more, which is the problem earlier in the season. So I do think Elijah Moore is startable in this game. I think uh, if you need and Corey Davis wide receiver, three borderline flex. If you need, he's a solid play again, just because of the matchup. He'll see probably about seven targets. That's what he's seen five out of eight games so far this season. So I do think that if you also need someone uh, you could do with him, you can go with Corey. Whisper Nation, this is how I want you to know that we're committed to the grind. We just spent that amount of time on the New York Jets facing the Houston Texans for you just to try and get your matchup correctly uh, picked here for Week 12. Moving on to a game with a little bit more pizzazz. I don't know how much. Uh, The New York Giants are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, 45 and a half over under. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles 
favored by three and a half. And that's partly because the resurgence that they've had as an offense, obviously the running game was committed to Jalen hurts playing out of his mind right now, but they've established a narrow target tree with their two options at in the passing attack, Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith. How do we like them this week against the New York giants and maybe even looking forward, Austin, I'm really liking both options this week and moving forward. These two, as you kind of put it there with the narrowed tree, just dominate targets overall on the season with 78 and 51. For the two, the next coming in third for the team is Jalen Rager with 40. Uh, And then in the most recent games as well, that narrative continues. Nine targets for Godard and six for Smith. The next uh, was Jalen Rager with three targets. They have explosivity, they have their roles on the offense, and they have the trust of their quarterback who is playing his best football right now. And the Giants this week are below the fold defending both of these positions, especially against the wide receiver where they've allowed the sixth most points to the position in 2021, Travis. Really liking these two this week and for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I'm I'm starting to like the passing offense. I know it's been low volume, but it's been very efficient. Hertz has picked his spots, and he goes to those guys for big plays. Speaking of Hertz, he's he's been making the big plays, and now he's the QB overall again. He regained that spot. Now has only two games under 18 fantasy points on the entire year. 55 or more rushing yards in five straight. The Eagles' commitment to the run game seems to have actually helped Hertz to be more efficient as a passer, hitting on the throws that he needs to make the money throws there. This week, Hertz is going to face a giant squad that's giving up 18 points per game to the position, including the sixth most passing touchdowns surrendered to quarterbacks this year. So I'm really liking Hurts. I'm liking him going forward. Really good playoff schedule for Jalen Hurts playing Washington two out of the three games in that schedule. For the uh, running backs, we have Jordan Howard likely out here a couple weeks, maybe more. Uh, does that does Sanders stock get a big boost here this week and going forward, Johnny? I don't know about a big boost because you can't necessarily trust Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff at this moment, but it looks to be like it's secure and that uh, he will have a very healthy, I should say, amount of carries. Saw a season high 16 carries last week. We do love that. We know the schedule is rather nice. That offensive line is very good. Top six in the league right now in, in run blocking. So we do and we like this matchup. New York Giants been top 10 matchup in the last five weeks for opposing running backs. I do want to note Sanders did only play 46% of snaps last week. I do expect that to increase, which could also lead to more targets out of the backfield. He only saw one last week. So I do think that he could probably see around two to three in this game. One thing I do want to note, like Sanders has just been super effective running the ball, and it is kind of wild that it's taken him this long, or at least the Philadelphia Eagles head coaching staff, to see exactly how good he's been. He's been averaging 4.9 yards per carry this season. That's pretty wild. Uh, And just touching on Boston Scott, who I expect to take that kind of Jordan Howard secondary role, he played on 37% of snaps. He did see eight total touches last week. But again, I'm not really looking to start Boston Scott, but I would be looking to start Miles Sanders. And I do think he is a guy moving forward that he's probably going to help people win win leagues or at least get him to the playoffs over the next few weeks because of his schedule. On the New York Giants side of the ball, they're... Uh... Their biggest piece of news really doesn't have to do with play on the field, or I mean, I guess it does. They're going to fire their offensive coordinator and Jason Garrett, move on to Freddie Kitchens, who, uh, well, we all know about Freddie Kitchens, don't we? This seems like nothing could go wrong with this move. Uh, Anyways, when we see a new offensive coordinator in the fantasy industry, we are left with questions. How is this going to affect our players? And so, Johnny, first of all, are we interested in any Jets pass catchers in the wide receiving core here? Uh, do Do we like any of these guys? Obviously, Tony's flashed, Galladay with the big money. We love Shepard every year, but can't stay healthy. Anything here uh, that gives us hope? I mean, I do still think that I'm holding on to Tony and Galladay because we have seen Kitchen's offense actually be very efficient. Let's remember, like, Baker Mayfield looked so good in that second half of that season that he was able to get his coach a full, uh, uh, you know, an offer to be the head coach because of how efficient that and Baker, you know, had 27 touchdowns that that year. I'm not saying that's what we expect from Danny Dimes, but again, we just don't know what the exact uh, how this offense is going to run quite yet. And so I do think they will probably try to get because tell me like they 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 have a coach right now. And tell me this doesn't seem like it's basically Cleveland 
where he was coaching. They've got a guy who is super fast and Kadarius Tony, just like juice. Then you've got a big tall wide receiver outside. That's super fragile. And Kenny G all OBJ back then. Uh, and, and so I, I, and they run that they have a, they had Nick Chubb at that time. I don't believe they had Kareem hunt in, in there yet. Um, or maybe he did come in that second half, but they didn't really use him down the stretch. It was just a run running back with Nick Chubb. And so uh, I, I think that I still want to hold on. To I mean, I could buy, I mean, the, the comps aren't exactly the same, but I can buy the unrealized talent narrative in both teams for sure. And I Party can buy the crack house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy over yeah, there. Like we, yeah. The reason we keep asking about these players is because we know they're talented. We know they're good at football and we know that logically somebody should emerge here. And I think that'll go well with what Austin's going to check in here on Evan Ingram. I like Johnny's points here about stashing both Galladay and Tony, but I think it's going to, it could get set you up for disaster in the playoffs. If you're trying to figure out which of those guys you're going to rely on, but maybe, maybe we'll get three weeks of good usage after this offensive coordinator. Austin, I'll pitch it to you on Evan Ingram because like these other guys, he's a guy we've always been excited about, but can't quite get it to stick. No, no, right. And that's really what I wanted to touch in on here was an update to the narrative over on Evan Ingram. And I will qualify it by saying this is still a talented, exciting tight end who maybe hasn't done done it over the last couple of years, but he's still in his 20s. You get a brand new offensive system coming in and people get rejuvenated and all of a sudden they start doing amazing things. Look at what Cam Newton just did at his return for Carolina. These kinds of things happen. But outside of that, I'm really, really not feeling Evan Ingram. And I think that his whole overall narrative needs it's time for an update. He used to be such an exciting ceiling play as long as he was active. Right. And he missed the first two weeks of this season. It was like, oh, more of the same. He's going to be out. But when he's in, you know, get him in. Um, But other than those two first games out, he has played in every single game since. And in the last three weeks, Evan Ingram has not seen his snap share dip below 78 percent with Monday showing 90 percent snap share for a tight end. That is great. Uh, He's also had multiple catches in every active game going on 10 straight games right now. Like this is like nice. But in the past two seasons, he has only one game above 67 yards. And in 2021, his best performance was either five or seven week five or week seven, depending on your format, where he had four catches for 55 yards or six catches for 44 yards. Yeah, it's just like the upside in this offense is absolutely lacking. We'll see if, if Freddie Kitchens, our guy, Johnny's guy over there, is going to be able to, to get it going there, cook it up here. I want to touch in on Saquon because I know people are a little bit worried. I'm wondering if the you know delay uh, in coming back is kind of, you know, she's shaking off rust. Because last week, 12 touches, only six rushes, concerning even in a bad matchup against Tampa Bay. Hopeful that the here's my thing. Logically, I think for an offensive coordinator change, we'll see a commitment to the run. I'm hopeful that's what we'll see. I don't know if they're logical enough over there in New York, but we'll see and a, a commitment to the run. We'll get Saquon featured a little bit more. Obviously, I think that would benefit those Saquon owners there. Philly is allowing just under 20 points per game, which is a nice sign for our bell cow in Saquon here. Additionally, they have given up the third most rushing attempts on the year. Look for Saquon's workload to stabilize a bit in this game. I think this could be a game for you to be excited of getting Saquon in your lineup. Our next matchup is the Miami Dolphins hosting the Carolina Panthers. It's a a 42.5-point over-under here with it's a penalty kick. Basically, it's a pick at this point uh, between the two. They, uh, as, as, as when I made the notes here, I don't know if it's adjusted at all there. When we look at the Cam side of the ball, Austin, you alluded to it. Uh, just the last matchup, Cam in his first game back as starter, typical Cam-like stat line that we're used to seeing. Threw for two touchdowns, failing to throw for over 200 yards, and ran 10 times for 48 yards and a score. But uh, although, you know, I, I don't know what to make. I, I think he's worth a stream again this week because of the upside. And Miami's a good matchup here for him. Uh, 19.3 points per game allowed. That's the fifth most in the NFL right now among for fantasy quarterbacks. So I think there's juice there. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, Vegas is having a hard time projecting this too because I don't think they can like pick was, a favorite. I mean, like last year we said it. We said right, it last you're going to have these games. And, and, and as many 25-point games as he did single-digit games. Right. 
And I think Johnny was talking about this on the on the uh, Windy City Breeze podcast we did earlier today. I think you're going to have these games. He's got a decent schedule down the stretch here. I wonder if he's going to get some managers in trouble who make the playoffs with him as a streamer and then get into a game where they're kind of deciding who to start here. He has a rough playoff schedule. But I think this is a game where you could trust him if you're looking for a spot start here and rolling the dice here. Johnny, did Cam Newton revive DJ Moore, and can we expect that going forward? Oh, he revived him, all right. He revived him like a patient having a heart attack gets revived on Grey's Anatomy. Am I right? Am I right? I've seen it, no? but I no. yeah, sure. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> I like the wind Jade, up. Jade, Jade's got you wa- watching Grey's Anatomy, huh? Yeah, uh, so on Netflix, bro. Yeah, all dude, so many seasons. They're all there. But DJ Moore coming out a a survivor he's a survivor 25 percent market seasons of that too even with uh, cam newton so even with cam newton at the as the quarterback still seeing 25 percent had had the team high uh in as far as the wide receivers go uh in receiving yards and he got the touchdown miami allowing the second most receptions to wide receivers this season uh and allowing 14 touchdowns to opposing wide receivers this season, even though they've been like kind of weirdly, like they play to their competition is basically how that defense has been. And based on how teams have played Carolina last two weeks, I do think that uh, it's still okay to put DJ Moore in your lineup. Yeah, I think DJ Moore belongs as somebody where we we're happy we held through this to see yeah. what Cam could get him to do, and we're seeing it. He did only have he had to get home though; he had to score a touchdown. But when guys get volume, we expect them to eventually score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're looking at with DJ Moore. On the other side, we have the Miami Dolphins. I wanted to touch in quickly on Gaskin's outlook because after a nice performance against a terrible Jets defense last week, he had this his second best performance of the year: twenty six touches, over ninety scrimmage yards, and a score. I think Whisper Nation is going to be excited to have trusted him and see it pay off. But beware of this Carolina rushing defense as you got to try and trust Gaskin again. Carolina, one of only 10 teams to allow five or fewer rushing touchdowns on the year, but that's not even where they're strong. Even more worrisome is they have allowed the fewest receiving yards to running backs, and Gaskin has been used quite a bit as a pass catcher in this offense. So I'm really hesitant to get Gaskin in my lineup. You might be stuck as your, you know, he's your firm flex for a lot of teams out there or even an RB2 in some formats, um, and he does get there in PPR, but this is a tough one for him. Speaking of tough, we don't like this secondary for our guys, Waddle, Gasicki, and then a potential Will Fuller return. Austin, uh, how do we feel about these guys against that tough Carolina secondary? Yeah, t- tough Carolina secondary um, in, in a couple of different ways. It's no joke. Pro Football focuses them as the fourth best passing defense, and they've allowed the fourth fewest points to wide receivers and the 11th fewest points to tight ends. So it's not great, but I still do plan to start waddling Gusecki minus having, you know, obviously a better uh, set of options at those two spots. Uh, but taking a look at these two here, we got to first say that the jury is still out on Will Fuller's return. But even if he does return, I'm, I'm unclear of how much of an impact that will make on the other pass catchers immediately upon him coming back. Waddle stands alone right now at the wide receiver position and right next to Gusecki as the main veins of this passing attack. These two have been the top target recipients since Parker went down three weeks ago, and nobody had even half the targets of one of these guys the last two weeks. Uh, with that, Carolina is no joke, as we had said, but this should be a close game, and the ball has to go somewhere, right? There is a real world where both of these weapons have great days, but it, it's not the best odds given the matchup but I think that they're still going to get opportunities to make it happen. We'll see how well Carolina is able to shut that down. That's a coin toss. I'm not feeling great about it, but I understand if you're going to go ahead and start them anyways. Dude, it's like if the Philadelphia Eagles are the target offense, then maybe the Miami Dolphins are the Walmart version of that offense. Like I think I feel like Miami parallels them in a lot of ways of just like very watered down version of mm. Philadelphia, right? You've got a narrow target yeah. tree. You've got a quarterback we're kind of not sure of, but then even more watered down. So questions of the running of, back position. Yeah, questions mm-hmm. of the running back position cycling through guys, but a much poorer version of that uh, situation. So that's what I'd be uh, looking at with Miami here. But I love, I actually do love the pass catchers, as Austin pointed out here, especially Gasecki, who seems to be uh, just a, a really nice grab for you as a late round tight end this year. Johnny, any hope in Tua here as a start worthy this week? We know the Patriots have really turned it on defensive, or I'm sorry, Carolina's turned it on defensively late lately 
Yeah, don't do it. Only the New England Patriots have given up fewer fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks over the last four weeks. Uh, they have really kicked it in. So I would not uh, recommend starting to a don't chase those points this week. Don't chase them, but we're going to chase the next matchup and our final matchup of the part one of this week 12 slate. The New England Patriots are hosting the Tennessee Titans. This is a 45 and a half point over under. It's in Foxborough, so the Patriots are at home and they're favored by five and a half here. Austin, we talked about A.J. Brown a little bit earlier in the show. He is dinged up and headed for a date with the pass defense if he were mm-hmm. to make it in this game. How do we feel about uh, A.J. Brown or any pass catcher, for that matter, against the Patriots this week? Yeah, man, I really don't feel good about A.J. Brown and this one going up against the Patriots defense that has traditionally and recently done a really good job of eliminating their opponent's best pass catching weapon. Taking a look at the last month of the wide receivers, the pass defense has been tasked with addressing week eight, Best performance of the bunch I'm about to mention. Keenan Allen, decent day. Six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown, but it's worth noting he had 11 targets. Caught about half of them. Week 9, DJ Moore, 3 for 7, 32 yards. Week 10, Jarvis Landry, 4 for 5, 26 yards. Or maybe you thought it was Donovan Peoples-Jones, 1 for 5, 16 yards. Week 11, Kyle Pitts, 3 for 5, 29 yards. So they just do a really good job at shutting folks down. And A.J. Brown, what I'm kind of looking at him is he needs he needs to have a bone thrown his way to go off, either like a soft matchup, he needs to have perfect health, or having just a really well-balanced, humming-along offense. He doesn't have any of those things right now, and I'm not going to recommend benching him, though, as they just might force him the ball, but but really temper those expectations. And if you do have another option, I would give that serious consideration. I know there's a lot of reasons to say that A.J. Brown looks really good, right now but, but there's also there's a lot of tall uh challenges that are casting some pretty large shadows on those strengths yeah man i just think it's like it's a no-brainer here they lost derrick henry right they don't have julio it's all going to be focused on aj brown if he does go right like it's a it's a stacked deck against him as austin put a, a well a put well there with all those previous matchups johnny we don't like any of these tennessee backs we talked about them as potential waiver ads obviously ap got cut Dante foreman was supposed to be the hot newness and then it was Dontre dontrell Hill- hilliard uh, yeah. so like now we've got yeah. everybody. I mean, I think Austin might try out for running back here with the Titans, uh, this week, any of these backs that we like, uh, you didn't hear Bill Belichick talking about how Dontrell Hood was the next Derrick Henry this week. Mm-hmm. I don't expect, No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Uh, no, I'm not going anywhere. We don't know what's going on in this backfield. Who's going to be getting the dominant target or the, the receiving work. Like we thought it was one week. It was like, almost like, uh, you know how football players, when they think they have like a, a you know, a, a running back or or wide receiver squared up, you know, a cornerback, and they go to tackle him, right? And then it just they just do the little leap, the whoop, you know, right over, and they're just they're you know hugging ghosts. That's what it's like when we're trying to dictate what this running back backfield is right now because uh, we're not sure. They're just trying to replace Henry any way they can, and they're just throwing bodies in there uh, for carries. It's getting ugly in that backfield for the Titans, but it's warming up in the backfield for the Patriots here, Austin. Maybe this week the answer to Harris versus Stevenson is actually yes. Maybe that is where we're at here. I think both backs are a fine stack this week. Both likely in for double-digit carries and efficient performances. You like that? Moving forward, all the markers are indicating that maybe Stevenson is the back with the upwards trajectory and who might become the 1A in this backfield. And we might even already be there. Uh, you heard me last week say that while Stevenson was the RB18 in overall elusivity, which is great, Harris was doing even better as the number eight overall. But after last week's blowout in the first game, Stevenson outcarried and also outran Harris in a match where both backs were active and healthy. Stevenson moved up the overall elusivity rankings to number nine, just Ooh. one spot right behind Harris. So if we look overall, they're about dead tied in productivity, but Ramondre has been the back to start the last two weeks. Once where Harris was out but then again where they were both active and in i think it stays close but i think stevenson ends up pulling away and he's already begun that process travis yeah i'm with you on that i think it's just a matter of time but i think for now when games like this where they have a favorite you could be looking at worse options than flexing a damian harrison there and hoping for a touchdown against a team like tennessee that they should handle uh when we look at this wide receiving core uh you know i know kendrick Bourne was a hot waiver wire ad 
but he's got no game over five targets since week eight, only cleared 75 yards once in the last five weeks. In fact, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, we kind of have the same tune with them. We know Tennessee's allowing the most points per game to the position, but good luck figuring out who to trust. Mac Jones is doing an excellent job of spreading the ball around. No Pats wide receiver seeing over seven targets in the last month. If you had to choose one, I think I'd lean Bourne. He's averaging 17 yards per reception compared to nine for Jacoby and 13 for Aguilar. And I do think if you try, you're trying to flex Bourne in, you know, what the heck flex, a desperate flex here to try and get him in there. Um, I think this is the matchup you could try and do that with. When we look at Hunter Henry, he had his floor game last week. But, Johnny, are we still confident putting him in our lineup here? No, not at all. Do not put him in your lineup. Don't fall for it. Another trap. Uh, he hasn't finished higher than a tight end 18 when failing to score a tight end this season, boys. And then you just look at this matchup. Guess who doesn't give up tight end touchdowns? And that would be Tennessee. Bottom 12 in fantasy points to the tight end position. And then they've only allowed 43 rece- receptions and three touchdowns surrendered all year to the tight end position. So it doesn't seem like it'll be a good week for you to start Henry. So I would not play him. Well, that does it, guys, for our part one, our special Thanksgiving Day episode here. Hopefully you got all you needed to get the first part of the matchups uh, and get what you need for those lineups. But we will get you part two. If you subscribe anywhere, you get your podcast. If you have any further lineup questions past that, make sure you're subscribed and tune in an hour and a half on YouTube on Sunday morning. And you can also check out thefantasywhispers.com for all of our weekly rankings. For Johnny Gabe Time Hicks and for Austin Sear, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fancy Whispers. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're out of here. Peace. Peace. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Right here. Thanks for listening to the Fancy Whispers Matchup Breakdown episode. If you want a specific start sit question answered, just make sure you join us live 90 minutes before kickoff on the Fancy Whispers YouTube channel. And if you want to join Whisper Nation, as well as get special Discord access, get signed up for our monthly jersey and card giveaways, as well as extra access to extra content, make sure you check us out on Patreon, where you can get access to all of that. That's www.patreon.com forward slash The Fantasy Whispers.